Brick City Blockade UK presents Talking Far, Far Away. And now, shouting from a distance, the Scottish savant. Scott Inch, discussing the most relevant portions of Star Wars canon in the Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Talking Talking Far Far Away. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> talking, 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 uh, talking far, far away. Uh, post celebration. Yes. So, yes, it's with me, Scott, and the man across the pond who is having a nice summer. Well, you could say summer. It's that kind of temperature now. No, it's getting there, though. It's it's in, it's into the 60 degree range, and we're pushing the 70s this upcoming week. So, yeah, we're almost to that summary weather, but uh looks like somebody has hit eggs on me and I can't find them, so. So that's the temperature over here, 70, 17 degrees. Wow. Celsius, though. Celsius. Celsius degrees. Right. <laughs> it's always got to be... And it's always got to, you know what? I'm tired. <laughs> you can see a lot of hilarity has gone on in this episode. Yes. So, so guess what, Robert? What? We are now post-celebration. Yes, we are. It's been an uptown celebration. Mm-hmm, there was a few mm-hmm. times I was annoyed that we didn't see because they blacked out three minutes. Mm, I don't get that. I don't get that. And there was one thing we all wanted to see. Yes. And I think we should start off with that, don't you agree? Mm, mm, I agree. I agree full-heartedly. Yeah. So what was it that came out? So what was the first thing? Uh, mm. It was a trailer. It was a trailer, yes. The yes. panel. The panel. Out. Yeah. Yes, J.J. Abrams came out Tell everybody there's a bit of a gap In between episodes 8 and 9 Which thank god the gap uh, Which I'm glad there is I'm yes. glad there is So yes, we finally got the title All of us were wrong It's not Will of the Force Or The Force Be With Us uh, It's The Rise of Skywalker Hmm Hmm an interesting title to say the least, Scott, because going into this film, and it seems like The Last Jedi was a line that they used um, in The Force Awakens, and then it was actually something that Snoke had said, was that the Skywalker w- will rise if, if we continue to push forward this idea that the Resistance can't be defeated and we can't go after them. It was actually a line spoken by Snoke specifically, and we've seen that now with the last two films, is that they've used certain lines from Snoke as the titles for these films. But is there more to that is the real question. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But but we shall see. Scott? Yes, um, I've seen, I've heard one of the big theories is still though the band is named Jedi mm. and the Jedi will become Skywalker, so I'm a Skywalker. Mm. Mm. It sounds a bit weird. It sounds like a hip-hop group. Yeah, we're the Skywalkers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's... Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Although I did freak out when Ray jumped over the I've never seen that live action before. We might have seen it as like Star Wars, Rebels, Clone Wars, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. more Rebels. Um, But to see that, I was like, (gasps) Yeah, it was pretty breathtaking. It was breathtaking. And um, just the clips you saw, I mean, when we saw Land on the Falcon again, (laughs) that (laughs) hit you right in the chest, man. 
that, that, and then just to see Leia, and I was like, oh, yeah, that, that was emotional seeing Leia because you you know that this is a a, a cut scene from either episode seven or eight, and they're using yeah. it in this movie, and you can tell it's it's quite good nowadays because. If you cut a scene like that about back in the seventies, you couldn't really blue screen it. Whereas True. now you could change the background to fit in where that character needs to be. Right, right. And you can kind of change some of the dialogue here and there if you do it. So right, true. Right? Um, so it is possible. And then obviously you had um, the final scene with the second Death Star. I think it's mm. the second Death Star. It has to be. I mean, it was. It's not the first Death Star. There's no, no. way the first Death Star could have crash landed on Yavin Four. It was too far away. It would have to crash. You know, it's just impossible. The the laugh. It was absolutely stunning hearing Ian McDermott do the laugh once again. And then having it be at the end of this trailer. And then who comes out right at the very end? It says, roll it again. So let's think about the Emperor here for a minute. So J.J. Abrams says that this movie is also to, come, is to tie in both trilogies. Well, all three trilogies. Yes. But then, as the overarching villain, been all this time the emperor. Mm. Now, if you look back to canon, the emperor did have he did have like a plan after he died sure. on the Death Star, the second Death Star, and it was explored in Battlefront Two. It was explored in Shard Empire. It's been explored in the Aftermath trilogy. So it's been mm-hmm, explored, mm-hmm. and especially in the Aftermath trilogy. Uh, Empire's End, where he had this observatory on Jakku, yeah. uh, where it was about to split the planet apart and all that. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. It's the best book out of the Australia. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, thinking about it, did the Emperor actually survive? I mean, mm. he, he, if you go back to Darth Plagueis, he, he was taught by Darth Plagueis, who was, was how he taught his apprentice everything he knew to cheat death. He fell down a fucking chasm. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> He fell essentially to his death. Yeah, so it's like, unless you, the Star Wars has now created some type of transport technology, that's not feasible. It really isn't. It really isn't feasible. And I think amongst all of that, I think the one aspect of all this that a lot of people are maybe overlooking, but I've heard it a couple times on some other podcasts, is the possibility that the Emperor did not survive. Did he cheat death? Yes, but he did it in a very different way. And when he threw when he fell through the the chasm within the Death Star and was thrown off of there by Darth Vader, I think the one thing and why that ending scene is so powerful in that teaser trailer is because when we're we're looking at the remnants of the Death Star too, and then we get the laugh. I personally think that the essence of Palpatine still resides within the Death Star too. And that one section is calling to Ray because, and I've said this multiple times earlier on when the podcast first started with The Force Awakens, if you listen carefully to the scene on Starkiller Base between Kylo Ren and Ray, mm-hmm. when he says, I can teach you the ways of the Force, she hits a whole other magnitude when she comes out of that, what I would say is almost like a, a, a Force meditation. And she becomes much more powerful. She's queued up this almost dark side energy to be able to go back against Kylo Ren after showing no ability to be able to use the Force to its full capacity beforehand. Mm-hmm. She, she's starting to really learn her power. In that moment, if you listen carefully, I swear on my Star Wars fandom, 
there is a little bit of Palpatine that you can hear in one of those clips. If you go back and listen to it very carefully, so I don't what, know. But... It, it, it's, it's not him saying Ray, but it's him saying good. And I don't know if there's any truth to that. Maybe that's something that JJ just threw in there at the time. But if that has some connective tissue to Ray and this call to the Death Star 2 and its remnants because something lies there, there's a lot of concept art. That was a piece of concept art for it The was. Force Awakens that the Death Star 2 remnants are, would be found somewhere. Let's see if JJ starts using those concepts and some of these magical Star Wars-isms, as I like to call them, in its true form. In its true form. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I can see where you're going with this. It could be the, well, it could be his, the, the, we never saw a Dark Side Force Ghost. No, it could be that as well. Yeah, I don't know. Again, we do, we all got the first bits of information out. That's uh, right. That's right. We we still. I mean, I've said this before. I think the market will be pretty much the same. They'll be behind the scenes. Yes. Real. I can't remember if this D twenty three this year. I don't think it is. No, not this year. So if not, then they'll take Star Wars to sell uh, Comic Con to try and sell it more. Right. And. By that time, they'll get more of the star cast members out. Um, True. Mark, uh, Ian McDermott, you'll get them there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because it's pretty much confirmed that Ian McDermott's going to be there. So, yeah, I, I think we'll get a wee behind-the-scenes reel in the Monday Night Football. Mm, there's going to be... They're, they're going to attach something to one of the major sporting events coming up. Probably Not Monday Night Football or... Um, you know, <laughs> Americans know how to market their stuff when it comes to <laughs> around the sports season and they know what to attach it to, to be able to get the most out of it. So yeah, a Monday night football would probably gain the most attention, um, with something like that. Give us a little bit more than what we've already received without giving too much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember when first makings came out, there was like a Chinese trailer, this right, trailer, right. that trailer. It did kind of spoil it, but you were kind of just getting the same clips again and again. Mm-hmm, Some like mm-hmm. like Avengers Endgame, you're not getting anything. <laughs> you really are not. Uh, I'll spoil it all for you when I come out of cinema next month. There we go. go you don't need to see what happens. Go for it. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah, I'll just. You don't need to go and see it when I tell you what happens. That's true. That's true. So yeah, we got that. Um, we got a new droid. What was it? I can't remember the droid's name. I cannot even remember the droid's name either because the only one that stuck out to me the most was BB-8. So yeah, um, there's not much of R2 as well. No, and I'm wondering if there's a reason for there not being too much of R2. Yeah, I don't know where he's. Uh, yeah, I don't want them to destroy R2. R2. I think it would, it would fake up a lot of fans if they got rid of R2. But at the same time, R2 unit is uh, it's quite tricky to move a lot yeah whereas bb8 yeah. you can pretty much move quite quickly the same with uh 3po because anthony daniels in the suit the panel i i, I was texting you and i said this is awkward <laughs> <laughs> yes there was a certain level of awkward uh vibes to it yes yeah i'm not the first person to have mentioned it the dealt with arrow was a bit awkward it, it just mm-hmm. I, it, there was i didn't feel any buzz or was that just me? No, no, no. You're right. There was not necessarily a chemistry issue, but it was just the way that it flowed. I didn't feel that there was necessarily a format to it or even to the extent of it seems like everybody else came out blind to what it was going to happen on the panel and they just kind of ran with it. I mean, it's not like the episode seven panel where like everybody was up and excited and all. Right, but right. There was just 
it just felt awkward. I think also, like, we've had episode eight or episode seven panel where Mark Hamill's came out. And Mark Hamill was not at this one. Yeah, and you could tell something was off. It just felt off for some mm. reason. Mm. When you got Anthony Daniels kind of starting up his one-man show again, you kind of got... And it was Stephen Colbert asked his uh, Billy D. Williams about how he returned to Lando. He was like, Lando's been with me all this time. <laughs> but people who don't watch the movies, I feel right. like we've already had Lando back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, back in 2015 when Lando came back. Yeah. Rebels. So I, I, to me, it's like, well, he's back on live action, but I feel we've had him back already, if you know what I mean. Right, right, right. He's already been residing in the canon since 2015, and he's yeah. been used in comic books. He's been in a film. You, you, you had Donald Glover play him in Solo. Yeah. So he's not a new concept to Star Wars. I think that it was just more for the hype of people at Celebration to be like, hey, he's here on stage. Hey, you know what yeah. I mean? It was, it, was a, it was a plot device used to kind of push forward the idea that Lando is in episode nine, which makes sense from a marketing standpoint. But for, in terms of the fans, Lando's been around for us for some time now. We, yeah. we, we know this guy. He's a legend. He is a legend. He really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. It, again, there's someone put up like a picture of the older, like older Hamel, older Carrie. Lando. Oh, that one gets me every time, man. And it's just like, what a waste. It's just been wasted. I think that's the one thing about this point of this trilogy. It's been wasted not having them together. Yeah, I agree. I agree to a certain extent in terms of the original trilogy fans, the people that were there for 77 and through the 1980s. My dad has said it to me consistently. He's like, you know, it's great to have Lando back, but I would have loved to have seen Han and Lando in the Falcon together with Chewie. He said that's the one thing that I think was a missed opportunity. Oh, yeah. There's certain things that were missed opportunities. Um, I'm, it seems like episode nine is also kind of like the trailer kind of united people after episode eight. Yes, yes. I, 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 I took many discussions with people about episode eight, and I'm just like, I know, I know, and that's a fair that's a fair quality in terms. I think episode nine is going to do everything that it's supposed to do. Yeah. I think because we're going back to JJ taking on this. Do I think JJ should have handled all three films? I know this is a side conversation. I think to a certain extent, yes, but I like the idea of him kind of stepping away for the middle film and kind of doing his own thing, kind of like what Kasdan did with Empire Strikes Back with George. George let Kasdan really take a control of of the. A story within episode um episode what was that episode five <laughs> yeah. i just feel if jj has stayed with and directed all three and written all three i don't think eight would have been where it was um uh, sure. i think there would be more of a time jump interesting okay i've heard that before too so that that's a that's that's a really good uh insightful so we'll just need to see about episode nine comes out mm. episode nine brings us with uh not too long too, not too long to wait now I know. We're getting yeah. really, really close. Because we're heading into summer, so we'll come out of summer. We'll come out Comic-Con season. Man, man, it's going to be The crazy. hype is going to build very quickly yeah. for this because they need they needed to yeah. with everything else that they're marketing. That was Friday. Was there anything else on Friday? I can't remember. No, there wasn't. There really wasn't. Episode 9 was the Friday was, event. Yeah. And then Saturday, finally, we got something about Jedi. What was it? The Jedi, Fall- Jedi Fallen Order from EA, yeah. Yeah. Um, played... By who I think is a brilliant Joker. Cameron is it Cameron McGonaghan? Yeah, Cameron. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was shot. I didn't see it when I watched the trailer, and I recognised that guy. It wasn't until they brought him out of stage. I was like, "Crap! It's the 
because <laughs> he plays a brilliant in Gotham. He, yeah, yeah he's, he does a great job. Uh, oh, he's in the final episode of Gotham, which I cannot wait to see. I'm gutted because wow. it's over. Yeah, uh, next week, but I cannot wait to see his version of the final incarnation of the Joker. Yeah, uh, Gotham. He's brilliant, and I can't wait to play this game. I've already pre-ordered the deluxe edition. Nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I said that to Ross yesterday, uh, the other day, and he's like, "But how do you know what's going to be in it?" I'm just like, "I, I, I just want to do lots of this. I've been waiting for a <laughs> Star Wars game for so long." Yes, you know, yes. Where I, I played the Knights of the Old I played. Force Unleash. I wasn't overly Battlefront was a hit and miss. Yes, but correct. I've been waiting for something to get my teeth into it and boy oh boy, I'm ready. Yeah, it, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's the one that might convince me to actually go out and get a console finally. It's something I've always thought yes. about. I thought <laughs> I know. I've been trying to tell the rest of the crew that they're they're trying to get me on Xbox, but I'm I'm a I'm a Sony guy, I'm a PlayStation guy. So um it looks like I'll be heading that direction. But it was Battlefront two for me that I thought, okay, this might be the one. And then I was like, no, I'm I'm hearing mixed things about it. I'm not gonna do this just yet until I know there's a game associated with it. And I I think this the Spider-Man game is enough too to get me hooked on the idea of getting a console as well. So between Jedi Fallen Order and that, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yes, correct. So it's going to happen this time around. And I think the cool thing about Jedi Fallen Order, and it's funny because I was sitting at Celebration Lancaster and he came out on stage, Cameron did. And the first thing I thought was, oh my goodness, Scott Inch must be having a field day with this thing right now. Um, (laughs) Because I thought about our conversations about Gotham before and I was like, they, they they said, you know, from Gotham, you might recognize him from this this TV series. And the the other thing I thought about Scott, and I have to ask you this, is because of Mark Hamill's connection with the character of Joker. Do we think that maybe Mark Hamill heard of this project called Jedi Fallen Order, and maybe went to Cameron at one point and said something? Because I don't know why I have a funny feeling because of the connections between Star Wars and the Joker suddenly. I don't know how that started to form. But there seems to be these correlations that happen. And I wanted to ask a, a, a very hardcore Gotham fan about that. I, no, I don't think so. I think you, they were just kind of looking for someone. and uh, Just happened out. to stumble across them. Yeah. I, I mean, they've been working on this game for well, a couple of years now. Yeah, it's been years. a couple of years. They announced that they were working on some project about two yeah. years ago. I'm just trying to think. He was he didn't really show up in Gotham again until season four. Right. Well, he was brought back to life in season three. Like, yeah, because he was called off for season two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did he come back to life in season Yeah, somewhere around that time. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a while. And then, because season two when it started getting really good, and then season three was where it was really, really good, and then the same right, season right. four. But yeah, because he, he wasn't in like, all episodes, so he would pop up here and there and everywhere. But yeah, I think I've got two flies in my room. He's counting, folks. He's counting the flies in his room. Yeah. So yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm gonna have to go and kill it in a minute. Uh, <laughs> just, just, just go do it now before we continue. <laughs> Folks, Scott Inch is chasing down flies in the Star Wars universe, and boy, are they looking more like Tie Fighters than ever before. Listen to Scott Inch as he tries to destroy these fly fighters. You, you, you missed my whole narration. I said that Rebel pilot Scott Inch is going after some fly fighters. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we were yes. So Cameron, yeah, I think um, I don't think there's a difference. Uh, a gotcha. Connection there, um, but I think he's going to be really good. The storyline is amazing. Yeah, storyline is fantastic. I'm starting to say how many young Jedi princes <laughs> You're right, right, right. Is this character going to die again? It's one of these things. He. You, you, this is the problem. It's great, but it's one of the problems. You're, every Jedi you might have survived. Obi, Yoda did say, "Last to look, last of the Jedi you will be." The question is, is he's got to be killed by Vader then? I mean, if if he's got if he's got, I don't think, I don't think Vader's going to show up. If he's got the brothers and sisters going after him, then you know that it's it's got to be something at the very end. That's great. Also, yeah, and also, is that the I, is that the second sister? Is that who, the character? Because remember, we don't know anything about the second. Of the members, we well, know the the yes, seventh sister, right? Because if you read the Vader Vader comics that just passed, so there's been the first. Yeah, see, I haven't had a chance to get to those. Yeah. So you read the first incarnation, which is set around the same time as the first, as the original Star Wars trilogy. Gotcha, gotcha. And the Vader comics is set. The second round is set after Return of the Jedi, no, Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. and you do see a lot of the the brothers and sisters and some of them do get killed there was there was a treason one and they've tried to kill Vader and one of them got killed she was mentioned and they said at the panel I'm just going to double check um, something now because I can't remember if it's second sister or what mm-hmm. um no, um, does it say any more than that? But yeah, there is a second sister. She was in one. Of, she was in Vader comic. I can't remember seventy or eighty. Um, the new one, Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, and then um, so yeah, she's she's there. And then this one, this is where you'll actually see more of her. But uh, it's quite nice because the Inquisitors are starting to get more of her. This ties up more with canon. Than, yeah, it does. Then you know. Babies have so far, other than um, Rogue One's the closest thing is to tying up again. That would make sense too that they would really try to tie this into what we always say the different versions of canon, whether that's through the comic books, the novels, whatever else. We always say that those connective tissues are the ones that make this franchise that much better. And if they're following that format, especially with this game, I mean, that's all that matters. That really is all that matters in the long run. I totally agree. This game's out in November and I will be. Planet! Planet! So that was Saturday. There wasn't anything else on Saturday, was there? No, nothing there really. There was a Rebels recap, and that was quite nice. The Rebels just, remembered. Just yeah, that was yeah. not too I bad. Was hoping, I was hoping for something, but there wasn't anything. <laughs> I know. I kept saying that at Celebration Lancaster. I'm like, guys, Dave's on stage. Hopefully he has something for us. But yeah, no. I thought he'd have something. I thought he would like, announce a comic or something to tell us where Ezra was. No, um, he waited till Sunday to give us something. Yeah, he went Sunday. Um, so we got two things on Sunday. We had the Mandalorian panel, yes. which again I felt was awkward. It was energy, very awkward. Yes, but I just don't think you need a host. Yeah, that's true. And, and it didn't really work without a host. And what pissed me off? Sorry for swearing, but then why cut out three minutes when the behind the scene wheel was going? It's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you need to market this movie. Nobody's going. And what you do is you block all three minutes. Yeah, for I understand. Too, yeah, yeah. I understand who get, like, being at Celebration myself, get something exclusive. I get that. Yeah. Um, I get, like, when I was at Celebration for Rebels and got into the Rebels panel, I had the first two episodes of Season 3 of Rebels mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to watch. 
that was an exclusive thing. I got an exclusive trailer for Rogue One. I understand that. But there are other things like a behind the scenes when you're broadcasting it live. If you don't want to broadcast live, don't broadcast a panel like that. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. To then block out three minutes and then piss off a lot of people. Mm. I keep swearing. I do not mean to, but this just annoys me. Yes, um, absolutely. When this this is this program, this show is you're a Mandalorian fan, you're waiting to see something and you're denied something. And then obviously someone leaked it. So mm. we actually got to see it. I thought Lucasfilm put it later. So we also we finally got to see what the behind the scenes was so like. It looks amazing. Yes, it looks fantastic. Um it's set five years which is roughly about the same time as Aftermath, so I'm hoping yeah, some reference to Jakku is there. I was just, oh, and also hopefully we'll find something more about the huts. Yes, yes, that would be great. To kind of see how his life dealt with the, how the hand of the huts dealt with like the death of Java, so that will be interesting to see. But yeah, the whole cutting out that three minute was just... Yeah, so, and it's funny, I, I feel a little bit different about it, and I think it's just because... At first, I was a little irked about it. I, I didn't really understand why they did that. And like much like you, you know, if you're going to do a live panel and you're going to broadcast it, don't keep doing these cutaways. Don't keep because it just ruins your marketing approach for when you do the celebration live, the Star Wars show live stuff. Um, it, it can take away from it. And Andy and the and Anthony and the rest of the crew did a fantastic job. But I think when it came to specifically the live panels. Um, I, I think that they missed it a little bit here and there. And of course, Amy Raycliffe did a wonderful job with the Rebels Remembered one. So I'm not really critical of that because there are some really great ones. But uh, Doug Chang's Phantom Menace one was absolutely fantastic um, looking at the artwork behind it. But it, it specifically when it comes to The Mandalorian, I wasn't too upset about it because <laughs> – Number one, I knew that something would probably leak. It wasn't going to take long for something to be out. And then again, number two, where Lucasfilm is very quick to jump on getting rid of these videos from online if they haven't approved them, they still haven't touched any of those yet. So it's almost like they relied on the fans in the room to market this film to the rest of the fans, which can be a sin and, and a good thing at the same time. It's a very, very difficult thing to try to master because sometimes too much information gets out. So I think in the case of this panel where I am in your camp in many ways, a little irked and I will say pissed off about them uh, specifically cutting away from it. I, at the same time, I'm also like, well, you know what? Did I end up getting what I wanted? Yes, I did. I wish I had it in a cleaner format, but yeah. I ended up getting it. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. It was just, it was just like, I don't, I, there's been a lot over the years from special comic cons where you get to see the, the leak footage, and it's just, mm -hmm. I'd like to have seen like a, a night like yourself, a nice clean footage, you know, I could look over it in detail, you yes. know, I'm, yes. I mean, I, I quite like the fact they did show you how they're doing the ship, and I do appreciate models. Oh, big time. Um, I appreciate it. I think you get more detail on a model than you do on a computer generated ship. I mean, Star Wars, like, even when sci fi was getting done, it was all done in models. Um, there was something real about it being done in models as well. You felt it was real. You yeah, know? it does. Um, I mean, that's why, like, Star Trek and all that, like, when you see the models, you're like, oh my God, that looks real. Even though you knew it was all lights underneath and all that, da But it just had a, it just had some feel to it. Right, right. You know, you, you can see the paintwork and you can see, like, little details in that. You know, whereas now computer generated images, they, they, it's all done and then you're kind of, well, just, we can blow them up, but it's all it's all CGI. Whereas I just miss, like, the detail. And, mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. 
this is completely different, like not Star Wars related, but when Star Trek Generations came out, what they did was they built a huge saucer section because they were destroying the Enterprise D. Right. And they, they brought it, what they did was they built a big, like, crash landing planet outside. Yeah. And they actually done a whole rig of, like, seeing the Enterprise saucer crash into this. But it was right. Like, okay. And to me, that's amazing because you're actually seeing it. It's not a computer type. Oh, well, you know what I mean? It kind of takes away from it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but this one you can actually see like they were damaging this, <laughs> this, this yeah. model. So yeah, they just made it more detailed. Yeah, I agree. And the funny thing about the Mandalorian, looking at the uh, release clip by the fan from Celebration, is number one, this film had a very '80s feel to it. Uh, yeah. or, sorry, this TV series had a very '80s feel to it. Um, it felt like, like George it, Lucas. Yeah, Clint yeah. Eastwood sort of thing. Yeah, very much so. And the cool thing about it too is it felt like a fan developed it. And I think even John Favreau said that at the panel. He was like, this thing isn't going to really feel like a film or a, a Lucasfilm, like heavily produced CGI product. It, it's going to feel like Star Wars fan film, but to the next extent, to the mm -hmm. point of you're going to be transported to a galaxy far, far away. You're going to get to know this character very well. At the same time, too, what I really liked about it is it reminded me a lot of Rogue One. There were a lot of aspects of it that that kind of pulled me back to Gareth Edwards and to some of the, the tones that he wanted to have. Those yeah. darker tones in the Star Wars universe that we've kind of been missing more recently. And I think that... It, it, I think that this is going to be a well-executed television series that um, I think a lot of Star Wars fans are going to remember for a long time. Excellent. Excellent. You have the well <laughs> So we had the Mandalorian panel and then jump to the Clone Wars panel a few hours yes. later. I have a size for that. Um, Me too. We've got some really great clips. Um, boy, oh boy, I can't wait. I, I had to get this cleared up right by three stories over uh, 12 episodes. So first yes. four, one episode, one story. Yep. Right, so that's fine. I'm fine with that because you can't really tell anymore <laughs> um, because you are kind of now getting close to episode. The one thing I was confused by was they're saying it was season six. And I'm like, well, no, it's season seven. It's more season seven, yeah. Yeah, because like, what do you call it? The, the, the last episodes, right? Yeah, because I got them blurry. Um, that's more, I would say, season six. Yes, correct. I talked to Andrew about that too on Words of the Wills, and we were like, where does this fall? Like, how are they going to pair this up? And you're right. It, it really is more of a season seven than it is a season six. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I, the thing I was thinking about is when you see Anakin and Ahsoka on Mandalore, well, going to Mandalore, yes. the thing that got me was I was thinking about the Ahsoka novel because yeah, that kind yeah. of starts there. Yes, correct. So I'm, 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 and I was just like, this is you can see Clone Wars and Soka all start to link together. I cannot wait to see it with some really good clip. The one thing that got me and I was like was hearing that Ray Park is back again to play Maul. Yep. And they've actually and what they've done is they've actually motion captain captured the fight. I think that's amazing. I can't wait to watch that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. This is this is also technology that I think they've kind of been working on for yeah. um, in terms of animated products too. I mean, maybe this is something that Filoni's going to explore more. Is the idea of having the original actor or actress come back to the mocap and then have the other person do the voiceover to the mocap, which and then go through the animation process, which is pretty cool and is something yeah. that I'm sure ILM wants to do more of going forward however they want to or however they see fit for that 
But I agree with you. I think that that's the one part that really captured my attention the most was the idea of Ray Park coming back, doing the mocap, and then Mr. Whitworth coming in, Sam Whitworth, and and doing Maul again, and knowing that he fought Ahsoka, and <laughs> just just I, the the line too, like yeah. he was expecting more Obi Wan, but <laughs> ended up being her. So it makes shows you how she got her lightsabers. Yes, correct, correct. So ties into Rebels. Um, it was just bits there, like it, you just seen that fight. You can see the actual movements, and it's just like, oh, I just can't wait. That's I the cannot one part. Wait. Cannot it's, wait. Yeah, I think the only reason they did it was the way a really good fight. You had to do it more. Crap. So yeah. I don't know how yeah. they're going to do the fight, but I hope episode the final episode starts off with a chorus of battle over for a revenge of the Sith. Mm. Mm. It has to. It would have to. I would imagine if they want to really tie this thing up. Yeah, you can't leave it just. Du, 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 du. You have to end that. So you hear the recall, like the hyper coming hyperspace, and there's General Grievous's army, oh. and then oh. it just closes, and then you have to go. Well, excuse me, I'm going to watch episode three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. It adds a level of gravitas to the beginning of, of episode three. It adds that level of, okay, here comes the Battle of Coruscant. Here comes Obi-Wan and, and Anakin's encounter with Grievous and trying yeah. to get the, trying to get Emperor Palpatine back. Sipping chunks. Uh, he said uh, do it. He said do it in episode three. He's he's the Emperor. Um, so yeah, we got the trailer. The trailer looks amazing. It looks fantastic. The clips look amazing. I mean, Dave was like, let's show you a clip. I'm going to show you a clip. I'm going to show you a clip. The panel was amazing. The panel was amazing. The chemistry between Warwick Davis and Dave Laurie is amazing. Oh, yeah. Well. It's great. Um, I was lucky enough to see it in person. Yes, that's right. You did see that in London. Yeah. And how you conned them into getting a part. That was all quite funny because Dave was like, did I just get conned into this? So, yes. Yeah. You did. So, yeah, the panel, I think, I thought, I'm more fun for that panel than any other panel. It really, and that's what the second year that I mean, Orlando Dave Filoni stole the show, and then yet again he steals the show. I think at Celebration in uh, Chicago, in many yeah. ways, he, he and with it. both of them, with Mandalorian and with Clone yeah, Wars. He, he did it even in London. He stole the show. Like yeah. it wasn't Rogue One. It was, it was Rebels. Everybody was talking about. I always say this, and I feel like when Kathleen Kennedy was to step down, he'd be the person I want to see yes. take over. I know someone who says that won't happen. I think they I, have a lot of trust in Dave Filoni. I think that I, if something was to come down to it, they would go with yeah, it. Yeah, because everybody trusts Dave Filoni. Fans know Dave Filoni. John Favreau trusts Dave Filoni. That says a lot. That's a uh, major producer and director. Trained by George Lucas. Correct. Uh, and that's why they fled uh, to him. Uh, it's like. He reconnect. Yeah, he gets it. Him and Pablo Hidalgo are like yeah. the ultimate canon team. Yeah, when it comes to Star Wars, it might not happen, but because they want someone who can deal with the dollars and all that. But it's like so, Kevin Feige. Yeah, good point. Good you know, point. He's he he's involved in all the stories. He makes sure he's involved in it. Yeah, he's not really on the financial side. He's got this. Is the other thing too, and everybody says, "Well, what about the money?" And I'm like, they can hire people. They have the resources. There are people that can do the money system yeah. for them, but they, so that they can a, focus on that. Yeah, 
what you're needing is someone who who knows Lucas Ball, someone who's actually trained under George, who worked with George. Who, you need Dave Flory's my guy, and everybody says that. Like everybody would agree, that Dave Flory is a guy to take over with Captain Genesis. He was someone who who connects it all. Who knows it, and he can do it. Yeah, he could do it. I mean, Kathleen came over with George, of course, as well over to Disney. She yeah. worked a lot with him too. But at some point, you know, you put out so much product that even I would do this, and I think anybody would. You just put out so much product, and, and your name's been associated with the company for so long that you say, okay, now it's time for me to step into a different realm. Now it's time for me to be in a different part of the company. I think Bob Iger looks at Kathleen Kennedy very highly and probably would like her much higher up in Disney other than just at Lucasfilm, yeah, to be honest. I, I think he yeah. wants her part of his core team at, at just with everything happening with the parks and the marketing side and everything else. So it, where everybody's like, well, then Kathleen Kennedy will just go away. No, Kathleen Kennedy will, will launch herself higher into the Disney Corporation in terms of a job, and then Dave Filoni will come in and take over the Lucasfilm operations. Kathleen Kennedy won't leave it, but she'll definitely be a part of the team in a different way. And yeah. and I and I don't like I'm going to say this my final thing on it, but everybody's like, well, you know, what is that? What is that going to do for the product? You know, what will the transfer of power be like? It's like, well, it's Disney. There is no transfer of power because there's no need to put a focus on it. Everything yeah. flows as tight as ever at Lucasfilm and Disney. So there's no concern for that whatsoever. Lucas and adult. Um. So yeah, that was pretty much like the Clone panel and our. Thoughts on Dave Filoni, the god of Star Wars. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So that was what day four. Even though there wasn't really anything on day one, really life. wasn't a, really wasn't anything Thursday at all. It was a, yeah. more of like fans getting together, the podcast stage stuff. So our friends from Unmistakably Star Wars and a bunch of other podcasts that that I could list here. Uh, Resistance Broadcast, uh, Collider, they all had their panels on the Thursday, so they all had a lot of fun with that. And then the last day. Day five, we had I, the Phantom Menace panel. I never caught that because I was working. I caught a little bit of it, and the one part that I did catch was a mod best coming out to the fans, which was absolutely wonderful to see. And no matter how we feel about Jar Jar, it, it was much needed for for the character, and, and I felt so happy for a mod best coming out because now he's essentially worked his way back in to the Star Wars fandom. No matter how many negative Nancys will say what they want to say, you know. He is a part of the Star Wars family. He did play a character in a Star Wars film. Yeah. That was that was very, I will say, was was a, quite a bit of supplement for the storyline from the prequels. He played some important parts. Yeah, he gave the Emperor the power. And not a lot of people talk about that. You know, he was really a, a justified character when it came to allowing the Emperor to do what he needed to do. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. That's that's really all that came out of that panel. I mean, you didn't have Liam Neeson. You didn't have um, well. That was the thing about them. it. That was the thing about it. You didn't have the big three: Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, and Natalie Portman. Yeah, and it's an all. Ewan, I was very surprised that Ewan was not at it. Yeah, and that's I just the feel, one. Yeah, um, it's like you can't really do a panel like that without. You can actually. But it just felt, but for Star Wars Celebration, you sure had at least a message. For, you had a message from George Lucas, but you didn't really get a message from Ewan McGregor, you know, Liam Nielsen, Natalie Portman. And as much as you think about Natalie Portman, whether she phoned that in the episode three or not, that's up to for debate. She still embraces the idea of playing Padme. She's yeah. made fun of it multiple times on Saturday, Saturday Night Live. Night. In interviews, 
she always kind of reflects back on it, even though she said it kind of pulled at her career a little bit, <laughs> you know, overall. But she's got she's, she's she's still awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So she, she's got the talent and drive. Yeah. I, I don't think it never, I, I don't personally believe it ever really affected her that much, but a message from her would have meant a lot to the Star yeah. Wars fandom. It was just that time, but you know, it right, just right. felt weird that you didn't have the big those big three. Dermot made a joke about he thought that was the end of the Emperor. Oh well, maybe it is. And then uh, made a slight joke. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not sure about that. And then you had the closing ceremony, which I think dragged on a bit. When I was at the closing ceremony, it was only half an hour. Yeah, I know. This dragged on for ages. And what I was annoyed at was when they announced who it was. <laughs> <laughs> I know, for the poor man over there in the UK, I thought for sure we're going to announce Europe. I, I thought, thought for so sure. Because well, it's been twice in America, but then I calculated that, that there was six or seven years, or about six to ten years before it was from London back to London. Yep, yep. So I'm not expecting it to come back to London anytime soon. What do you announce next year mm. what do you announce you have no maybe in production you've got episode 9 but no nothing else in production you don't have all you can Mandalorian will what just be finished in its season you will have Clone Wars is nothing this is what you can only produce put it in now is you either announce what's coming up in the movies announce the cast who's going to be playing if it's an older public you either announce who Resistance will probably come back third third season mm-hmm. Cassie and Andor I, to me you should have kept that I, I think the funny thing about Anaheim 2020 and, and to be honest with you I've been already working out the sides so that at least I can get out there and maybe some of the other Brick City Blockade folks can get out there because it's well overdue for the podcast network to make its way out to Star Wars Celebration of course Mr. Inch there <laughs> hey if it, if it comes to London the year after the year after that you know Scott's going to be the uh, he's going to be the mainstay of Star Wars Celebration yeah, you can pick up a hotel <laughs> we'll get it all covered for you the one thing that i do expect is we're going to get something more about the benioff and weiss we're going to get something more about ryan johnson's we're going to get some more um stuff whether it's a kenobi film or some other kind of spinoff film i think i think i think they've got something planned like a rogue one they have to have at least three or four main staple products to be able to go into Celebration 2020 and say, this is what we're marketing to you, the fans, this year. I don't think it's going to be five days. I think you're looking at a Friday, Saturday, Sunday conference yeah. um, in Anaheim. And I, and to be honest with you, I think based on however much product they can have to market, I don't see this Celebration in 2020 being that expensive to go to. I think that they're going to lower their price point, and I think that they're going to offer a little bit more of an affordable experience. For Star Wars fans because of Galaxy's Edge and because of other places that are going to be opening up around that time. They want to have a package deal. Was it a mistake to have it over five days? I think five days was too much. And I think that they have to reconsider the lottery system for a lot of these panels because they could have filled those rooms a lot more than what they were. I I haven't heard. I saw a lot of people. I saw some complaints about it, especially people who were outside in the snow. Yes, I saw those pictures as well. No, that's not right. We're not going to be negative Nazis over this, but was it the right place to have Star Wars Celebration? No. <laughs> that was quite quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been arguing that for a long time, yeah. It was an awkward, it was a weird choice. I think a lot of people didn't understand the choice. It's hard to say that they're going to change the way that they do things with the lottery system because the the unfortunate thing, I think, for a lot of fans, and it's worked for Disney. It has. They've been able to accomplish what they want. 
And just to leave it on this note, but I think heading into Anaheim 2020, it's a much better facility to have Star Wars Celebration because they've already had it there. They know that facility well enough. They know the Anaheim Convention Center. WonderCon is out there. They, they, they know what that's like and they know the capacity in which they have to work in. And Anaheim, if they choose April again, is a beautiful place to be in. It is warm. It's sunny half the time. It's going to be a lot easier on the fans, I feel, because they're going to have a lot more options in terms of uh, whether they have to stand outside or I think in terms of capacity, they're going to be allowed allowed to let more people in. Um, another place in the UK have it would be at Birmingham. Yeah, Birmingham. Yeah, they yeah. have Birmingham, uh, MCM Birmingham, right? And AEC. Um, oh, okay, okay. A, I went there last year for the Star Trek convention. Yes. Um, it's massive. And I mean massive. So yeah, you could go there or you can go to London. I always argue that you could come to Glasgow, but some I've got a lot of friends that say there's not enough space for it. But I, I don't know. I think you could have Star Wars Celebration because you've got the big uh, Scottish Hydro, right, which right. can take up to like 30,000 people. Yes. So it means a lot, everybody can get in to see the panels. Um, it's the same with them, but then it's quite hard to do that sort of stuff. So it's come to that part of the show that ah, we like yes. to call plug time plug time let's plug it in and let's find the time <laughs> i like that i like that that works it does um so mr robin Volt, where can the good people find you all over the world uh they can find me in the united states of america in new hampshire and also on twitter at mr vote tweets instagram at the official vote www.brickcityblockade.com patreon to support the network t public to rock the network and starlight children's foundation a galaxy of joy program bringing smiles to kids faces every cent at a time that must be record time that i've done that mr scott inch how about yourself uh, you can find me on in the uk and near edinburgh somewhere just in somewhere in edinburgh and you can find me on Facebook at Scottinge and on Twitter at Scottinge85. So, from myself and Mr. Robert Bo, may the force be with you. Always. Oh. Oh. No! No! <laughs> Is that Palpatine going down the shaft? Remove my mask and let me see you with my own eyes. Yeah. <laughs> that actually kind of looks like the actor. <laughs> you already have, Luke. Dad? Dad? <laughs> <laughs>